you, you get here and you're a little bit frazzled and for so many people, it's like tomorrow night before you finally just relax and you just really start enjoying yourself. And so what I would ask is, well, don't relax <laughs> and be full of faith and assume that you came here to meet with God and God's here to meet with you. And there ought to be a little bit of tension that comes with that. Not tension like uh, uh, you're frazzled, uh, because there's nothing to be frazzled about. We're, this is a retreat. Uh, by the way, Retreat Center is rocking. I'm praising the Lord for, uh, is, this is UCM? Am I saying that right? Okay. Uh, I haven't seen black mold anywhere on the campus. That's just awesome. Okay, so, and the air, the air conditioning is on. Praise the Lord. We got air conditioning. It's, uh, it's good. So, so we're not stressed, but we ought to be full of faith right now. How many are here tonight to, to get away together, to get with God? We want to hear from the Lord together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we are trusting you that you will meet us as we consider your word. Lord, we're asking for your anointing, Lord, your blessing to be on Mark as he opens the word to us. God, anoint him to be able to communicate your word in such a way that our eyes, Lord, our hearts, our minds, not only do we see it, we receive it. And then, Lord, convict us that, Lord, what we hear tonight will live out in our lives. God, we want to hear from you. And so, Lord God, have your way tonight. Here it is, this retreat. Here it is, our lives. Here it is, this time. Lord God, be God in this place. Do what only you can do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, welcome Pastor Mark Trotter. Mark, thanks for hanging with us again. Praise the Lord. You guys are a trip, man. It is so good to be with you guys once again. And uh, I count this a privilege. It's like a uh, highlight in my, in my life. I, I know I need to get out more, but... I really do, man. This is this is just fun. I, uh, I I come, I get to pour my heart out, and yet in the pouring of my heart out, it gets way full, and uh, and so I, I appreciate it. I, I'm just getting back from uh, Malawi. Uh, mm, love that, y'all. Um, so I got back Monday night and had. A, a, a day to recover, and uh, so here we go. And uh, you know, this is like anything else. Uh, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Okay, and so uh, we we put together a little little booklet, and if you want to follow along uh, while we go through the the message tonight, uh, if if you look at the end of the message, and you're going to be going like. Wow, man, you're going to do all that tonight? Okay, um, we're going we're gonna to dive in here in just a second. But I want you to get to just past the footsteps. You see there's about the third page or so. And on the next page it says, For late night reflection or early morning devotion. And uh, so I put together some questions that go along with the message. And for those of you that would really like to just dive in this week, get the most out of it, uh, that's there for you. If you don't dig that, 
okay, cool, you know, just wad your gum up in it or something like that. Uh, but it's there for you. I just wanted to call that to your attention. We're going to be looking at Judges 13 through 16. It's not that long. I would love for somewhere along the way every day for you to read those, uh, those chapters. And uh, I, I think that will help you immensely. Now, I, I don't want to overstep my time uh, for tonight, because there's a lot of moving parts, and I want to respect that. I wish that I had about 20 minutes to set up the message and the theme that we're going to be looking at over the next several days. But uh, somewhere along the way, y'all, and I'm not sure when it happened, but I got old. I'm, I'm, I'm an old man now, and it freaks me out. I'm mad about it, actually. I know it beats the alternative, but it's just weird. I used to be the young guy, and now I'm the old guy. And all the young people said, okay. I, I, I thought that might be the only amen out of the young people that I got. Uh, okay, all, all the high school, what do you call it now, middle school and high school young people, would you just raise your hand? Let me just see where you are. Hey, man, I'm so happy y'all are here. And now listen, all the old people in the room think I'm going to be talking to them this week. And I'm not, okay? I'm talking to you, okay? All you middle school and high school young people, young adults, uh, I'll throw you in there too. All of us old people, we've already done that, right? <laughs> okay, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I just, I just want to, kind of, I just want to make sure that all of the, the middle school and high school, that, uh, that you hear what the Lord is saying from his word. Okay, I, I'm just a, a donkey, just a mouthpiece, but uh, I, I don't want you to, to miss some lessons that we can learn from the life of Samson. Um, the reason I went into the old thing is, okay, I got saved in 1972, and uh, I was right at 16 at that time, and wow, y'all, I have met so many people through the years that were going so strong, and they're in a pile of ruins tonight. And that's basically what we're going to be looking at as we look at the life of, of Samson. Obviously, can't cover in detail four chapters, but uh, I do think there's some things that we can glean that can help all of us. And again, I'm teasing about it simply being for the young people. Listen, every person that took the time to come, I think that God wants to meet with us over the next several days. I, I believe that God can do something crazy to change the course and direction of the life that we have left or the time that we have left until the Lord calls us home. And so, man, I, I hope and I pray that you will open your heart to what the Lord has for, for you. 
Okay, so let, let's dive into the notes. Let's go to, uh, skip that next slide, and let's go on to right there. Let's take some time. Can you guys see the screen okay? Okay, cool. Uh, let's take a, a few minutes to establish the, the context of, of Samson's story. Okay, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, his story is found in four chapters of the Bible, the Old Testament book of Judges, Judges 13 through 16. Uh, our retreat is July 13 through 16. We're looking at Judges 13 through 16. Easy way to remember that. And, and to really understand what's going on in, in the book of Judges and in these chapters in the book of Judges, I, I want to call to your attention the fact that there are two key phrases that are found in the book of Judges. And the first one is this. Number one, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I, I think that's a, a, a phrase that many of you are familiar with, but you find that phrase numerous times in, these, in the book of Judges. We find it in Judges chapter 17, and verse 6, we also find it in Judges 18 and verse 1. We find it in Judges 19 and verse 1. And almost like an ex exclamation point at the end of the book, we find it in Judges 21 and verse 25, and it says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And I think, you know, because this is a, a group of people that's pretty dialed into the Bible, I realize that we've got newer believers that are here. But for the most part, I think that most of us understand that this, this phrase in those days is a key phrase in our King James Bible. From a prophetic standpoint, we would recognize that in that phrase, it's actually foreshadowing a time in the very near future when in those days, those days of the tribulation period, there is going to be, at that time, no king in Israel, and every man will do that which is right in his own eyes. That's the prophetic standpoint. But from a very practical standpoint, it's also foreshadowing those days that we're living in right now in the Laodicean church period where the number one problem, in my estimation, that we face is that there is a whole bunch of us, the majority of us in Christianity, maybe not the majority in this room. I hope and pray that it's not. But there's a bunch of people all over Christianity running around confessing that Jesus is Lord with their lips, but he doesn't reign as king in their lives. We have a savior, or at least some of us think that we do, but no king ruling and reigning in our lives. And so rather than the decrees of our king revealed in his glorious word to lead us into what is right, we end up doing what is right, say it with me, in our own eyes. And notice, not doing what is wrong in our own eyes, but doing what is right in our own eyes. 
People don't end up wasting their lives setting out to do what is wrong, but they end up wasting their lives by inevitably doing what is wrong by not knowing what God said in his word is right and by not following what God said in his word is right. And so the first key phrase that we're going to be seeing that permeates the book of of judges and especially uh, this these chapters that we're going to be looking at is that there was no king in israel every man did that which was right in his own eyes and then the second key phrase is this and the children of israel did evil in the sight of the lord and we find that in judges chapter 2 and verse 11 and the children of israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. We find it in Judges 3 and verse 7 and 3 and verse 12 and 4 and verse 1, uh, chapter 6 and verse 1, chapter 10 and verse 6, Judges 13 and verse 1. And, and okay, I, I think God's trying to scream a message to us. And as I read in the book of Judges, this, this phrase that keeps coming up, I, 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 I just wonder to myself how many times the Lord has to keep seeing people called by his name doing evil and blaspheming that holy name in the book of Judges. But wow, y'all, do you understand what the Lord must see as he looks in Christianity right now and he, he sees the fact that people profess to know him and yet do evil in the sight of the Lord day after day after day. And, and I, want you to, I want you to notice the, the contrast of these two phrases that we, we've just talked about. Okay. The, the, the contrast is, watch this now, between what we see that is right in our own eyes and what the Lord sees that is evil in his sight. Do you see, you see the, those two contrasts? So when we put those two key phrases in the book of Judges together, it teaches us a very important principle, and I put it in your notes. When a man does that which is right in his own eyes, he inevitably ends up doing what is wrong in the Lord's eyes. And listen, y'all, Samson epitomizes that. And I don't know what you already know about Samson, but we could have entitled this little study of his life that we're going to do over the next few days, we could have entitled this, Samson, the strongest man who ever lived. And yet at the same time, we could have entitled it, Samson, the weakest man who ever lived. Listen, he, he literally possessed the physical strength of a fictitious superhero. I mean, that's really popular right now. Okay, he's one of those guys, man. But from a spiritual standpoint, 
Listen, he couldn't even muster the strength to tell his flesh no. He, he had the power to, to conquer every man on this planet, except one. Who was he, y'all? Himself. And I think it's very important that we realize that Samson was a guy that had everything in the world going for him. I mean, listen, y'all. God had literally stacked the deck for this guy. I don't want to mix metaphors, but we, we could say that God put him up to bat in the bottom of the ninth with bases loaded and said, dude, swing for the fence. And he absolutely and totally blew it. He squandered it all, man. Because rather than serving God's purposes for his life and serving him, he chose rather to serve himself. And he became a selfish, self-willed, self-absorbed, self-seeking, self-gratifying, self-loving, self-monster who loved himself rather than loving his God. And I think it's important for all of us to remember that the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, that the key characteristic of our day, that characteristic that makes these days that we are living in so perilous is that we too are self-mongers. Our problem isn't that we think too highly of ourselves. Our problem isn't that we're just real fond of ourselves. Our problem isn't that we like ourselves a lot. Our problem isn't that we are infatuated with ourselves. Our, our problem is, according to what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 2, that we're just flat out head over heels in love with ourselves. And in light of God's commentary on us in that passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, I think... There might just be some things in Samson's life that we can find to apply to ourselves that can help us. So you're ready to do that with me? All right, now let's, let's dive in. Let's look with me at Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years and there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Verse 4. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not uh, any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. 
For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And as we get started in our notes tonight, I want you to notice some interesting facts concerning Samson's story. Now, I hope that you understand that I'm not just throwing out some random facts. These are going to come back in just a few minutes, so make sure that you follow this, this closely. Notice, first of all, like we mentioned a few minutes ago, that Samson was, was born with some pretty doggone incredible privileges. Number one, he was the product of a supernatural birth. He was the product of a supernatural birth. We, we looked in verse 2 just a second ago, and we found that his mother was bearing, barren, and listen to this now, and she had no hope of bearing a child apart from the supernatural working of the angel of the Lord that appeared to her in verse 3, which, as most of you already know, is an appear, Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice that, first of all, Samson was the product of a supernatural birth. Secondly, he had the privilege of being set apart for the Lord's service from his very birth. Verse 5 says, For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God, from the womb. And for you young people that have maybe never studied this before, what, what, what a Nazarite was, was one who was sanctified or set apart for the Lord's service. Thirdly, he possessed the power of the very Holy Spirit of God upon his life. Notice in chapter 13 and verse 25, it says that he was moved by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice in chapter 14 and verses 5 and 6 that it says that he was empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to overcome a roaring lion. He literally tears a lion apart. With the power of the Spirit on his life, y'all, he was ferocious, man. Notice in chapter 15, verses 14 and 16, it says that he was empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to overcome his enemies. Listen, a thousand of them at one time. Okay, but not only was he the product of a supernatural birth, and not only was he given the privilege of, of being sanctified for the Lord's service from his very birth, and not only did he possess the power of the Holy Spirit of God on his life, but fourthly, he was provided a beginning that was absolutely filled with unending promise and potential. The end of verse 5 says... Watch this now. And he shall, what's the next word, y'all? And he shall begin to deliver Israel 
out of the hand of the Philistines. And listen, what Samson had the potential to do with the beginning that God gave to him was only limited by Samson's own choices and the willingness of his own heart to be surrendered to God's plan and purposes through him. And yet, listen, y'all, with with all of that unending potential, because of pride, because of self-will, because of selfish ambition, and I'm not trying to be crass, but allowing himself to think with the wrong part of his anatomy, he forfeited the real impact that God could have used him to have. He squandered the potential glory that, that he could have brought to the Lord through his life, and he becomes for us the classic biblical example of a guy who wasted his life. And lest that sound like a bunch of you know spiritual verbiage and worthless facts about some dude that lived several thousand years ago that has no relevance to our lives, let me tell you why. I just went through all of those little things that we can identify from Samson's life. The, the reason I went through all of that is because, listen, y'all, Samson's story is unbelievably similar to ours. And you know why I say that? Because every person that's in this room tonight, and have I mentioned I'm so thrilled that you're here. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to do that. But listen, every person in this room tonight that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as as your Savior, you and I are just like Samson in the fact that all of us, number one, we're the product of a supernatural birth, were we not? And for us, it, it wasn't a physical one like Samson's was, but a supernatural spiritual birth that we call salvation or being born again. And just as there was absolutely no hope for Samson's physical birth until the angel of the Lord showed up, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says that we were without hope until the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, supernaturally drew us to himself. And 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, speaking of a a physical birth or physical seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. But not only were we the product of a supernatural birth. But secondly, like Samson, we were given the privilege, y'all, of being set apart for the Lord's service from our very birth. And again, I'm talking not about our physical birth, but our spiritual birth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 
And verse 11 tells us that when the Holy Spirit of God washed us in Christ's blood and we received our justification or our salvation in Christ, that at that moment we were sanctified or we were set apart by the Holy Spirit of God for the Lord's service. We're no longer our own. We are his and we are his to serve him all the days of our life. And then thirdly, like Samson, we possess the power of the very Holy Spirit of God upon our life. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28 says that in him we live and move and have our being. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16 says that in us he lives and moves and has his being. And just like with Samson, the power of the Holy Spirit that caused him to be able to overcome a roaring lion, do you understand the fact that because we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, that that roaring lion that First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 talks about, he comes, our enemy, our adversary, the devil, walks about seeking to devour us. But 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says that we have been given power by the one who lives in us to overcome, overcome him. But we have the power to overcome a thousand different Ways that the enemy of sin in our members has the potential of manifesting itself. Romans chapter 6 verses 13 and 14 says that through God's power in us, listen y'all, sin no longer has dominion or power over us. Listen, like Samson, we possess the power of God's own Holy Spirit. And it is a power that is more powerful than the power of the evil one. And it is more powerful than even our own flesh. And then fourthly, like Samson, through our salvation, we have been provided a beginning that was absolutely filled with unending promise and potential. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says that now that we are in Christ, we are new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen, y'all, that's the beginning that God gave to all of us. And just like with Samson, what we do with the beginning that God gave us is only limited by our own choices and the willingness of our own hearts to be surrendered to God's plan and purposes through us. And the absolute Travesty is, y'all. Christians in every generation, especially in the Laodicean church period, 
listen, people who claim to have experienced a supernatural spiritual birth, people who have been set apart by that spiritual birth for the Lord's service, people empowered by the very Holy Spirit of God that took up residence inside of us, and people granted with the unbelievable privilege and promise of a brand new beginning with unlimited potential to bring glory to God, just like Samson, forfeit the real impact God intended their lives to have, and they squander the potential that they have to use their lives to bring glory to God. And at the judgment seat of Christ, for many, many, many Christians, we're going to find that for all intents and purposes, we wasted our lives. I know that sounds really negative. I don't want to be the negative guy. But wow, y'all, there is some stuff. We need to make sure that we learn from the life of Samson. And that's, that's what we're going to be doing over the course of the next several days. So, so now, listen, so that, so that we don't allow ourselves to make decisions now that 20 years from now we look back Oh, young people, listen. So that 20 years from now, we don't look back and say, dang, I wasted my life. I squandered my potential. I forfeited God's purposes, and I caused the enemies of God through my life to blaspheme his holy and worthy name. And with that in mind, I, I want you to look at how this whole section covering Samson's life in Judges 13 through 16, I, I want you to see how it ends. W work with me. Read this, this, this passage. You know, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but I want you to see this. I want you to see where this is all pointing. In, in Judges chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, check this out. You know where you find Samson? You find Samson buried beneath the rubble of his own self-destruction. And his brothers have to come and pull him out of that rubble to at least give him a decent burial. And I want you to notice the last sentence in this section. The end of verse 31 says, and he judged Israel 20 years. Can you guys see that in the back? <laughs> and he judged Israel, listen, 20 years. He had a 20-year shot to do what God had created him to do. And would you look at him here, man? Look at him in verses 30 and 31 of Judges 16. He's lying there beneath the rubble of his own self-destruction. And the question we really need to be asking ourselves 
is how did he get here? And here's the first key principle. We're going to be talking about some key principles over the next several days. The first key principle I think we need to learn from Samson's life, and the key principle is this. Where you end up in life is determined by the direction in which your feet are pointing. Where you end up in life is determined by the direction in which your feet are pointed. Okay, and, and, and it goes like this, young people, okay, and old people, you can watch, okay, but it goes like this. If my feet are pointing in this direction and I'm hauling off through life, chances are real good I'm going to end up over here. I won't do that again. <laughs> and if my feet are pointed in this direction and I haul off through life, I am going to end up over here. And you see, that's why Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 26 tells us, listen to the verse, ponder. Ponder. You, you young people use that word all the time, don't you? And I was pondering the other day. Ponder the path of thy feet. Everybody in the room, please listen. In other words, check out the direction that your feet are pointing and ponder that path. In other words, maybe we could say it like this. Run that path out about 20 years or so and see where you're going to end up. Because listen, if your feet are pointing in that direction and you just keep hauling off in that direction, 20 years from now, that's where you're going to be. And if you're having a hard time figuring out where that path leads, just look at other people who over the last 20 years been walking down that path because where that path took them is where it's going to take you. Now, we know where Samson ends up. Again, the way I like to say it, obviously because I've said it about five times now, he ends up buried beneath the rubble of his own self-destruction. But the question is, how did he get there? And I want you to notice what the scripture reveals about the path of Samson's feet. When you read this, these chapters tomorrow, check this out. In Judges chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, And Samson went, what's the next word, y'all? And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And, okay, I, I, I get it. Geographically, Timnath was at a lower elevation. Okay, and so he went down. But if you check out the context of all what's going to happen in his life, it wasn't just geographical, y'all. It was a downward direction for his spiritual life. And I want you to look in verse 5 of Judges 14. 
It says, then Samson went, then went Samson down. And what you'll notice as you read and reread Judges 13 through 16, virtually every decision he makes sends him spiritually in a downward direction. Look at chapter 16 and verse 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. And obviously, that was a downward move spiritually, but notice that it doesn't say here that he went down to Gaza. But if you will notice in verse 31 of chapter 16, when his brothers come down to remove his dead body out of the rubble, it says they came, what? Down and took him and brought him up. Listen. They were all downward moves that over the course of 20 years of his life proved to be the demise of Samson. And as I pondered that, I got to thinking, you know, I wonder... I wonder how the story of our lives is going to read 20 years from now. And he went down, or she went down to the party after the game on Friday night. Or he went down, or she went down to Florida for spring break. Or he went down the hall to one of his female co-workers. Or she went down to one of the offices of a male co-worker. Or he went down to his old hangout to watch the game with his buddy. Or he went downstairs, or he went down to the basement to check his email or to surf the internet. Or she scrolled down on Facebook to the profile of her old boyfriend. Or he downloaded pictures from a pornographic website. Or it could be, listen, another thousand different downward moves in our lives spiritually. And I don't know how it might read, but I do know this, that some of the people that are in this room tonight, and God bless you for being here. But I think there's probably some of us that are in this room tonight, and you know that your feet are pointing spiritually in a direction that unless something happens, and unless something happens soon, it is going to prove to be your downfall. And unless something happens, some of your brothers or some of your sisters that came with you on this retreat are going to have to come down and lift you up out of the rubble of your own self-destruction a year from now, five years from now, 
10 years from now or 20 years from now. And, and listen, just like Samson's brothers meant, they'll be glad to do it because they love you. But man, oh man, oh man, it will be such a travesty because God destined and predestined us for so much more. God has powered and empowered us for so much more. God has intended and superintended our lives for so much more than that. And again, I say to you, if some of us could actually see the direction our feet are pointing and where that path is going to take us 20 years from now, I assure you that tonight would be a monumental night in your life because this would be the night that you turned your feet in a different direction. You turn, you turn your feet from that path that tonight looks and feels so inviting and so fun and so fulfilling. But let me assure you, my brother or sister, you will not be the exception and that's what the enemy of our flesh tries to convince us of. That we can do this and get by with it. That's what the enemy of the wicked one wants to make us think. That we're going to be the exception. But despite the way that it looks. Despite the way that it feels. Despite the way that you think about it tonight. Listen. Can you listen to an old dude tell you? It is a deception, y'all. Because you're working against an inviolable principle. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. The fact is, y'all, God is not going to be mocked. Whatever you cho choose to sow, that's what you're going to reap, man. And so listen. If day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year and decade after decade you are sowing to the Spirit, listen, you're going to end up in a big old pile of life that just keeps giving life. Life everlasting. Not everlasting life like every other version on the market says because that would be works for salvation. So God chooses his words pretty doggone carefully and says... Life everlasting. Life that just keeps giving life. But if day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year and decade after decade, you're sowing to the flesh, listen, you're going to end up in a big old pile of corruption. In your marriage, in your job, with your kids, with your spouse. And we can go on and on and on. I, 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 love, what, I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 119. In verse 59, I thought on my ways. You know what he's doing? He's pondering the path of his feet, man. I, I thought on my ways and I turned my what? I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I got that book out in front of me, man. And I, I followed that and made sure that my feet were following this book and my brothers and sisters I, I get it I know this is the first night of camp and we're 
you know, just trying to adjust to everything. But I'm asking you tonight, in the name of Jesus, would you think on your ways and turn your feet to this book? And that leads us to the first vital lesson. So I'm going to be showing you the principle. And now here's the lesson that we got to glean from that. The, the first vital lesson we must be sure we apply, and it's this. I must be certain that I fully comprehend that the real determining factor of where my steps will take me in the next 20 years will be based on where I choose to place the word of God in my life on a daily basis. And when I talk about where you choose to put the word of God in your life, oh, listen, I hope you're done writing so you don't miss this. Listen, where I'm talking about, when I'm talking about where you place it in your life, I'm talking about your attitude toward it, where you place it in your mind. I'm talking about your belief and your unrelenting trust in it. I'm talking about where you put it in your heart. I'm talking about your commitment to it. Not only you getting into it, but it getting into you. In other words, I'm talking about the surrender of your life and where you choose to place this book in your will. I'm talking about the priority that you place on it, where you place it in your schedule. You understand this, y'all? The thing, the thing... That is going to determine where our life will be 20 years from tonight is where we choose to place this book and what we choose to do with it on a daily basis. Listen, most Christians, I know that's a broad statement, I mean it. Most Christians never seem to get that. They're too married to their job. They're too enamored with sports. They're too devoted to their bodies. They're too preoccupied with lust. They're they're too bewitched by the American dream. They're too consumed with money. They're too fascinated with things. They're too captivated by the world. Ever really allow this book to have the place of preeminence that it deserves in their life. And do you realize, my brothers and sisters tonight, that this book is our lifeline to God. And it is our only lifeline to God. Yeah, I get it. We got the Holy Spirit inside of us. But listen, the Holy Spirit of God in us always, always, always works in conjunction with the word of God. That's one of the key reasons that he took up residence inside of us to teach us this book because 1 Corinthians 2 tells us we couldn't know it without that Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And yet, most Christians spend more time doing their hobby in a week's time, golfing, Bowling, skiing, weightlifting, crossfitting, whatevering. Take that time compared to the time spent in this book. The, the reality is, y'all, most Christians spend more time feeding their face than they spend feeding their soul in this book. M- most Christians men in particular, spend more time reading sports, the sports page, or reading pages 
on, on, online articles, of, you know, sports articles in a week's time than they spend in the Word of God. Most Christian women spend more time ordering stuff off HSN, HGTV, than they do ordering their lives from this book. Most Christians spend more time on Facebook than they spend on their face in this book. More, most Christian men spend more time lusting on women in a week's time than they spend longing for God in the pages of this book. And where most Christians miss the mark is a misprioritization of this book, y'all. Do you have ears to hear that tonight? Most Christians never learn what it is to fall in love with this book. You guys are familiar, I'm sure, with what David said in Psalm 119, verses 119, verses 47 and 48. Hello? There it is. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have, what, y'all? Which I have loved. My, my hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. Now meditate in thy statutes. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Psalm 119, verse 127 and 28. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. Psalm 119, 140. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Psalm 119, 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Psalm 119, 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. Psalm 119, verse 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. And I ask you this question. It's in your notes. Where are the men and women in the 21st century who genuinely love the word of God? And I ask you specifically tonight, can you honestly say that you love the word of God? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15 in verse 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. I consumed them, and I feasted on them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I'm called by thy name, O God, God of, O Lord, God of hosts. And again, I ask you tonight, where are the men and women in the 21st century who know what it is to feast? on the word of God on a daily basis. And I ask you specifically tonight, do you feast on the word of God on a daily basis? Job said in Job 23 and verse 12, neither have I gone back from thy commandment, the commandment of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth 
more than my necessary food. And I ask you tonight, where are the men and women in the 21st century who would rather have the spiritual food of the word of God in their soul than the physical food they stuff in their faces? you tonight, do you esteem this book like that? Ezra said in Ezra chapter 9 and verse 4, then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonied until the evening sacrifice. But I want you to notice who it was that was assembled to him. Everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. And I ask you tonight, where are the men and women in the 21st century who know what it is to tremble at the word of God? And, and as I put a bow on this right now, listen, y'all. Okay, resist the urge to pack up. Okay, because we got more notes. Okay, I'm putting a bow on it, but check it out. If Jesus walked into the room tonight and he was going to assemble all the people in this room tonight who genuinely love this book, he's going to get them in a big old pile all up at the front. And he's going to gather all the people in this room tonight that know what it is to feast on the word of God. The people who would rather have this book than their physical food. If he was going to gather together all of the people that so understood what this book is that they trembled at it. I wonder how many people would be up at the front. Okay, let's forget about all the people. I wonder that too. Would you be up here? I said it earlier, man. Where we end up 20 years from tonight is all going to be based on what we did with this book. I got some action steps in, in your notes, and let's do this, and I'll shut up. Could you, could you, even on the first night of camp, could you come to this place of resolve? By God's grace and by the power of his spirit within me, I determine to turn my feet toward the word of God every day for the remainder of this year. Hey, I'm not trying to put you on any trip. I'm just saying, could you, could you make that resolve? This is going to be the night, Lord. I'm going to turn my feet, just like the psalmist said, I'm going to turn my feet to thy testimonies. Next, by God's grace and by the power of his spirit within me, I determined to seek my God with all of my heart through the pages of the word of God. 
Deuteronomy 4.29 says that if we will seek him with all of our heart and soul, we're going to find him, y'all. By God's grace and by the power of the Spirit within me, I determined to learn what it is to love the Word of God and to tremble at His words. Could you say that tonight? And then fourthly, by God's grace and by the power of His Spirit within me, I determined to surrender to God whatever he reveals to me through his word that needs to be changed in my life. Can you just say that unashamedly tonight? Psalm 119 verse 48 says, My hands also will I lift up to thy commandments which I have loved. The lifting up of your hands is I surrender. And and listen, some of you, maybe you're newer and you don't even know what's in here. Okay. If it's God's book, can you tonight just raise your hands and say, whatever you show me, God, by your grace and by your power, that's what I'll do. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we get started in the life of Samson that you'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I I pray that you'll give us the time to reflect on this, whether it's tonight or tomorrow. Help us to give the time in, in these chapters so that we're coming to the sessions and we're ready to receive the truth of the word of God, you having already spoken to us as as we've read it for ourselves. Lord, bless every single person that's here. Thank you so much that they they took their vacation. They they took their the time off from work to to set aside for you to do something significant in their life. And Lord, I I pray that that will be what will happen, that this will be a turning point in our life. And 20 years from now, we'll find ourselves in a big old pile of life everlasting. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.